You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick, not here with Chris Whittingham. Chris is back in South Florida. I'm actually here with two of the members of Miami Heat Beat. That's Greg Sylvander. You know him as at lefty underscore Leif on Twitter. And also Nikias Duncan. He's at Nikias NBA. We're coming to you. There's a little background noise because we're coming to you from the Rising Stars practice here at Bojangles Coliseum. It's Charlotte. It has to be called Bojangles. So we're about 15 minutes uh, from downtown. And we just got through with Rising Stars availability here. The Heat do not have any players in this game. They do not have anybody in anything except the All-Star game. Dwayne Wade added as a special commissioner's selection. And we'll talk to Dwayne at some point tomorrow. I'm sure he's going to be available uh, with all of the All-Stars. There was a lot of talk about Dwayne today. And I guess we were prompting that. And we're going to get to that uh, here on this little special edition podcast that we're going to put on both the five recent sports and Miami Heat Beat Feeds. Make sure that you follow and subscribe to both Miami Heat Beat and Five Reason Sports, also the other 13 podcasts in our network. There's actually another one, too, called Minding Our Business, which actually Jason Jackson, who's up here this weekend, is a co-host of, and we'll have another episode of that in a couple of weeks. So make sure that you check out all those and subscribe. Get all of the old episodes as well as all the new episodes as soon as they post. We also have a website that's coming in March. We're going to have all of our content there, all of our podcasts, Exclusive video, columns, merchandise, etc. All right, so we're going to start here today before we get into the rising stars and talking about that um, this week. And the reason that I'm here is Dwayne. Otherwise, I don't know that I would have come to this. Um, I was at his first one in Denver in 2005, which was really about LeBron James because it was his first one. So you could be in the locker room and talk to Dwayne for 20 minutes because everybody was around LeBron. Um, it's hard to believe how old I've gotten, how old Dwayne has gotten, that he's been at this many. I was in favor of the commissioner selection. I think it's appropriate. I'd like to see them try to do that even more years. I don't know that you'll have two guys like Dirk and Dwayne. They could have done it with Vince this year too. Uh, but I'm glad that he's here, and I do think this weekend is going to be somewhat uh, about him. I want to go to Leif here to start. You were talking to some of the players about Dwayne. What did you take from him? Yeah, it was really cool, actually. Um when you mention Dwayne Wade to any of those guys, their eyes immediately light up. And I think that that's a, a cool thing. It kind of shows what impact Dwayne Wade has had on the league, has had on the young players, the next generation of guys coming up, uh, particularly guys like Donovan Mitchell, players who have kind of modeled their game after Dwayne. Um, so, you know, it's, it's fun to watch um, because I, like you, was 
from a different perspective, watching Dwayne Wade's first All-Star game, watching his career unfold. So to kind of see this culmination, it's, uh, it's a cool thing to be here. Um, I know for you, you've been to nine of these things, 10 of these things. For me, I'm like a kid in a candy store walking around here. So, um, but yeah, it's awesome. Uh, everyone had really cool things to say about Dwayne. And I think we're just going to hear a lot more of that as the weekend unfolds. Um, what did you hear, Nikias? I caught a little bit of the players talking about Dwayne. I was around your scrums, actually, so I was catching some of that. Um, it was Jared Allen. He mentioned that he was a LeBron fan, but he really um, really found himself becoming more of a fan of the Heat once LeBron joined Dwayne Wade. So even guys that don't play the same position as Dwayne still kind of, <laughs> you know, kind of felt Dwayne um, – no, he made an impact on them as well. Yeah, I think the big thing here, I mean, let's go through ages here. I'm not sure that I really want to do this because I, I just had another birthday a couple of days ago. Um, but I'm 46. I covered my first All-Star game in the year 2000, uh, which was Vince in, in Oakland. And, I mean, that's all anybody remembers from that game. Uh, that, that and Alonzo Mourning recruiting Eddie Jones in front of me in the locker room, which ended up happening that summer. Uh, so uh, that was my first. I think it has, is 9 or 10. So I'm 46. You are? 37, Nikias is, go the hell away. Nikias is 24. So, I mean, it's three totally different perspectives on this. I mean, I, I covered Dwayne's drafting. I covered his first game in Philadelphia against Iverson where Stan Van Gundy was a mental and emotional wreck before and after the game. Um, and so that's my perspective. Your perspective, life is kind of, you know, being in sort of your 20s throughout Dwayne's career and witnessing all of that. Your perspective, Nikias, was diapers. So, so it, it's a little, it's a little bit different here, but it, it is interesting to see how people react to him. I think one of the things that I'll be curious about this weekend, and we were talking about this a little on the side is in Toronto three years ago, the whole weekend was Kobe. I mean, it was Kobe and minus 20 degrees. Like that's all anybody was talking about. Um, Charlotte doesn't have a natural hook, right? Like, I mean, both of you guys are from close to this area, live close to this area, but I mean, there's Jordan being an owner. But the franchise itself, I mean, there's, there's not a lot. It's not like when, you know, the All-Star game I went to in Houston a few years ago and they had the Legends brunch and there's Akeem and there's Drexler and there's, you know, all of the, you can't, you know, all the guys that they've had, right? Or Moses and everybody else. I mean, here, what is the history? It's Jamal Mashburn, you know, and, and, and so, and right. Most, most of Charlotte's history, guys, is actually heat history. I mean, it's, it's most, they, they ended up here at some point. So I'm just curious to see if this weekend turns into, you know, Dwayne and Dirk. And I'm going to throw this at Nikias, and I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. And you may, you, this may not go over well. I put something on Twitter a few couple weeks ago. Um, who had the better, who has had the better career, Dirk or Dwayne? You know our audience. It was about 85% heat for a while, and then the Dallas message boards got a hold of it, and Miami Heat beat was lazy as shit about this. <laughs> and it got 7,000 votes, and Dirk won 54 to 46. So I know what Leif's going to say on this, so I don't care. I've got to give this to Nikias. From a pure, we can get into the off-the-court stuff and everything else and commitment to a team, and Dwayne gets a little black mark on that one because he left. Might have been Pat's fault, but the reality is Dirk was there the whole time. Um, as a pure basketball contribution, Nikias evaluated. I think from like a cultural impact standpoint, I think you give it to Dirk just because of what he did for Germany and just in the international players in general. But on the court, I still go Dwayne. I always value two-way impact and that his apex, Dwayne Wade, was one of the best two-way players ever. Um, he has the edge and hardware. 
Um, Dirk got an MVP. The Dwayne has a Finals MVP. Dirk does as well. But three beats one. Um, I just think Dirk's long Dirk's longevity also needs to be taken into account. Um, he's played very well for a long time, but Dwayne's peak was near Jordan levels. I don't think Dirk's career kind of takes over that. Uh, Leif has an opinion. I don't know if I'm going to allow it. Oh, go ahead. Dwayne Wade is just cooler than Dirk Nowitzki. Like, let's be honest here. Like, let's just get down to the bare roots of this thing. Like, D. Wade is D. Wade. He influenced pop culture in ways that Dirk could never. So, um, I think on and off the court, Dwayne Wade is absolutely the more influential guy. But I'm not biased. Yeah, I mean, Dirk did bring David Hasselhoff, though, into the NBA conversation. And, I mean, if you can do that in a non-just Knight Rider sense, I mean, people were actually listening to David Hasselhoff's uh, Christmas songs and stuff like that. Um, I, I think this to me, it's a complicated question. I think from a, a basketball impact uh, in terms of what they mean to the game, I actually give the edge to Dirk for the one reason that Akaius was touching on is that I, I do think Dirk, there was a period of time after Dirk where everybody wanted international players, right? Like I mean, Dirk comes in and he was a disappointment for a first year and it looked like a total bust. And then because of Dirk, you had guys like, you know, Nikolai, I can't pronounce his name. Skidishvili and all these guys going in the top 10. I mean, Darko is a direct descendant. The reality is Dwayne Wade is with the Heat in part because of Dirk, because Darko goes second because there was a feeling that you could find that next international player. Then after Darko and those other guys, it went through a period where it's like you can't take an international player and that's swung back. So I do think from that perspective, I, I do think Dirk gets uh, somewhat of an edge. I think from my overall cultural perspective, Dwayne Wade has had more of an effect on, on culture. Dirk staying with one team the whole time is an advantage. And Dwayne getting the three championships is an advantage for him. Um, but I also think when you look at uh, just – I think what one of the knocks against Dwayne is Dwayne went through a period of time in his career he wasn't healthy. And also, Dirk has an MVP. Dwayne should for 08-09, um, as even LeBron might acknowledge in a private moment. Uh, but I, I, think, I think it's close. I, I do think it's close. I, I, I think the other question is this. Dwayne Wade is sort of universally acknowledged as the third or fourth best two guard of all time. So where is Dirk as power forwards go? Because it, it, it does your list is your list. Duncan mailman, Dirk Barkley. Where, where are we with, with that? Cause I, I don't know if he's third or fourth. Is he, is he further down the list than that? I would probably have him. I want to say fourth. I actually go Duncan and KG then Malone. Um, Dirk and Barkley is kind of where I go back and forth with. So I think fourth or fifth for Dirk is where I would go with him. Yeah, and the one thing with Dirk, too, in terms of rankings, like the one thing you can say is he is pro he is the greatest shooting big man of all time. And, like, just having that um, particular acknowledgement, I think, is an important part of when you're ranking him, just looking at how he changed the game in terms of having a seven-footer, able to spread the floor. And uh, only one man was able to ever stop him, and that is Udonis Haslam. And uh, was Riley ahead of the curve on this Euro thing? Because he did trade for Martin Mirosep, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, well, it was actually not just Mirosep. It was Sasha Danilovich, uh, who my daughter's named after. Uh, hopefully she's not a chain smoker like Sasha was. Because after practices, you would see Sasha at the back. The Heat used to uh, work out at, uh, at LaSalle in Miami, which was always funny because the kids would have their recess and then the, the heat would walk in as the kids were running out. And that was also when Riley was running practices. So we would sit in the little lobby in LaSalle and wait for nine hours 
after they would lose to the Knicks on national television and we would order pizza and wait for them to come out. Uh, but Sasha Danilovich would be out in the back in this, you know, this Catholic high school in, uh, in, in you know, down by, you know, down by Vizcaya, uh, smoke, chain smoking. I don't know how that fit with the Heat's conditioning program. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't about the culture then uh, at, at, at that point because they had players. Um, but, but yeah, so it was, I mean, Zoe was the culture essentially. That was the embodiment of it. But so yeah, that was Danilovich was his first and then Murasep and then it was over with. Like then it was like, we're not even looking at international players anymore. Uh, we have no interest in them. They weren't even scouting them. Um, you know, in recent years with Camera and Adam Simon traveling around that they, they have actually scouted and, and they've liked a lot of foreign players. They love Luca. Uh, they love Luca and, with good reason. There was no way they were going to get up there to get him. But so, so yeah, but I, I do think when you, the Dirk versus Dwayne debate, I, I think what is kind of cool to me about it is when you go back to 2011, there wasn't a lot of love there. <laughs> like, I mean, you, you, those press conferences and, and the fake coughs and everything else. <laughs> I mean, there, there was not a lot. Of, and, and it's funny to me um, how Dwayne's image has evolved uh, to, to sort of go from the very beginning. So 2003, until Shaq comes, he was kind of Miami's sort of overlooked young star. He was in the shadow of LeBron and Carmelo, who he's had a much better career than, by the way. And so he was kind of in the shadow. And then it was, oh, he's the guy Shaq wants to play with. And then there was him coming into his own, and I thought he went through kind of a period where, I'll be honest, I didn't like him that much. Like 2005, 2006 was Shaq's influence like it was all about the off the court stuff. He was a little chippy with the media at times. It was kind of finding his way. Like, where has he been great the first two years? Then there's kind of, you know, the darkness period where, you know, they bought him out. He's alone. And he never spoke out until, and I was in Boston 2010 after that game. And Beasley couldn't figure out in the locker room why he was benched. Okay. After that game. And Dwayne says, I need help. Okay. And there was the transition. And then there was him, kind of becoming a villainous figure with the big three teams to everybody around the country. I was asking a lot of the young guys today about the big three and what they remember. And a lot of them, you know, they say the decision, right. And the decision and Dwayne orchestrating it and everything else. And this really negative period. And I think he was actually surprised. I was, I traveled with the 2015, 16 team. And that was the first time where it was like everywhere Dwayne Wade went, except Dallas and Boston, everywhere he went, he was cheered, and he would tell me at the locker room he was surprised. Like, he didn't expect that to happen. And the big three guys used to make fun of him. Bosch and LeBron, I remember us being in Toronto the day that Bosch egged on the crowd, and they cracked on Dwayne after the game because they're like, they love you everywhere. But it really wasn't true. They really didn't. But it sort of happened 15, 16, more of an appreciation. And I think it's ridden the coattails a little bit of Kobe because I think sort of the reaction that Kobe got, um, and Dwayne's not as polarizing as – not as – famous but not as polarizing um as kobe all right let's transition a little bit guys to the heat at the all-star break because i feel like uh they're kind of be kind of a forgotten team here like they don't they don't have other than Dwayne, they don't have any representation they're supposed to have Derek jones jr they didn't they don't have anybody in the rising stars game it was hard to make a case for bam when he can't even get minutes on his own team and so I feel like there's like 25 teams in the league that are more interesting to people right now. Like they're either the teams that are contending or there's like, wow, Sacramento's fun all of a sudden. Like how the hell did that happen? Right. And I just feel like they're in this dead space where we've gone from center of the universe to nobody cares. Is Pat still running it? I feel like that's kind of where we are. 
as a Heat fan, more than a Heat analyst, what uh, what is your feeling about where the organization is here in totality at the All-Star? It's not fun. It hasn't been fun. Um, and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head at, on all points that we are kind of in no man's land. And that's a tough place to be because normally uh, – from the perspective of a fan of the Heat, we haven't spent much time there. But um, the rest of this season for me really is about watching justice develop, watching Josh, hoping Bam gets as much minutes as possible. Obviously, the exit of Dwayne every moment at these last 25, 30 games of, of Dwayne Wade, hoping for a playoff spot. But there's an interesting thing with, with Heat fans where um, because the West Coast, the Western Conference is so good, if the Heat make the playoffs uh, – they end with, what is it, the 15th pick. Whereas if they miss the playoffs and they're the ninth seed in the East, they could dramatically come up, go up the, the rankings of draft pick order. So from a fan's perspective, I selfishly kind of want to get closer to the top so that you have the ability to get one of these game-changing transcendent players. So there may be a small part of me, and this is going to go against Heat culture, that I may want to miss out on the playoffs as a nine seed, personally, as a Heat fan. We'll get back to today's episode of the Five Reasons Podcast in a second. But first, I want to tell you about one of our great sponsors, and that is Doral Toyota. Doral Toyota, where you can find all your favorite Toyota models, whether you're looking for a new, used, or certified pre-owned vehicle. Doral Toyota is located at 9775 Northwest 12th Street, just a few blocks from International and Dolphin Malls. I've been there before. It is a fantastic location. Experience the Doral difference, which means four years complimentary maintenance and roadside assistance on all new vehicles. In-house financing is available for credit-related issues. If you mention five reasons when you call 305 305- 680-1129 or come in the dealership. You will work with a dedicated manager, not a salesman. Unlike other dealers, Doral Toyota prides itself on an honest and transparent buying process. That's Doral Toyota, DoralToyota.com, or stop in at 9775 Northwest 12th Street. Vamos, let's go, Doral Toyota. Yeah, Nikias, is that at this stage? I mean, you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Are we all in agreement they can't win a first-round series, right? Just nod. Okay. Right. Okay. Um... So if that's the case, should there be a subtle tank here in the second half of the season? Even if you don't want to call it a subtle tank, they just need to transition to playing their young guys. And like Leif said, if you want to prioritize Wade, that's also fine. Give him the farewell that he needs. But play those four together. Make sure you find a way to put spacers around them so all four of them can look better than they are right now. And that's just the way you take the rest of the season. You put shooters around the young guys. You put shooters around Dwayne. Let Dwayne operate pick and roll. Let them um, play off of justice and vice versa. Feed Bam some lobs. You can bring some of the excitement back. You can see the young pieces in environments that suit their skill set. And it all looks better and you feel better going into the year. So even if you do miss the playoffs, you have, what, ninth best odds, tenth best odds. You can add another young piece. Then you enter into summer with um, Hassan's at expiring, Goran's at expiring. You can start to see a little bit of a light of it at the end of the tunnel there. What's frustrating to me is, is I, I don't feel like the, the team has any direction. I just I don't feel like they're aligned. I, I and we've talked about this. I it just it looks weird to me night to night. I, I don't I, I don't know who's pushing for what, right? So you have 
the, look, the Tyler contract was Mickey and it's gone, but it cost you basically getting something for Ellington because you had to throw, I mean, if you weren't going to keep Wayne, you basically had to use Wayne as the way to make the deal work. So, so to me, that's frustrating that, you know, you have the Tyler thing, but that's gone. So the other, you know, the other of the three contracts that, that Pat signed, which are, are Dion, you know, JJ and Hassan, I'm going to put Kelly to the side. Uh, but those three is, is, so it feels like he's justifying that. And Eric at the same time, I don't know where Eric's headspace is on this. It's hard to figure out. I will say this and I'm not around like I used to be when I was around him every day. And I've, you know, I've known him since 1996. Okay. So he looks tired to me. He looks tired. He looks mentally spent on this. Like, I, like talking about the turnovers every night, answering the same questions, which have to be asked by the beat guys about why this guy's playing and why this guy isn't playing. It just doesn't look fun to Eric. And, and you know, two years ago, it was fun. Like he was texting those guys trying to make the playoffs and one of the most enjoyable teams he coached. Even during the big three era, a conversation I had with Eric on the court after a game in Phoenix, he was waiting for his family. And, and I was like, so the pre- this was during the, like the heat were coming out of that nine and eight. So it was, this was during the 21 out of 22 where they're playing a bunch of soft teams. And I remember, um, uh, you know, I was, I just happened to be hanging out on the court after the game. And so I, and he's like, he says, well, you know, he says in 25 years, I'm going to be able to say I coach this team. So every time it gets difficult, it's, that's where his head was during the big three era. He, during all of that, during the crush of the expectations, he still could look like he was having fun with them. He looks like he's having no fun with this group. He just looks, he looks tired it's not just because he has a baby at home. It's just it, and it, and it feels like sort of a struggle, whether it's internal or whether it's internal in the organization, of trying to keep guys happy. God knows what's going on behind the scenes. That stuff's going to come out, okay? But trying to keep guys happy with minutes, dealing with agents who are calling, wanting to know why their guys aren't playing, and when you know what's best for the organization is 35 minutes of Bam, Justice, and Josh and Derek Jones Jr. with 25 to 30 when he comes back, and yes, make the fans happy with Dwayne, and that should be what's prioritized. And instead, he's force-feeding, you know, J.J. out there as a starter for all that time, which I, I can't be his call, okay, and, and everything else. And to me, that's what's frustrating and, and made this season kind of unwatchable because I just don't see anybody on the team having fun. Are there any of them, right? Are any of them having fun? No, you bring up a really great point, and I think that uh, the organization is at a crossroads where um, – you start to hear guys like I saw Barry Jackson uh, tweet something about uh, Dwayne Wade discussing his potential future in the front office sometime or in ownership. Uh, Udonis Haslam has talked about similar conversations. Uh, they've talked about Chris Bosh uh, working with the big men uh, kind of as a player development guy, similar to Alonzo Mourning. And I wonder if this may be the moment where the front office and the organization itself can start to kind of look at how they may realign some of these guys and integrate some of these players. Battier's taken on this new role. So you have kind of these guys that have a strong influence. They've been around the organization and maybe this is the opportunity for them to see a, a transition of the guard, we'll say. Yeah. And I think, look, that, I think the Bosch thing is, is the biggest piece of this to me because Shane was already there, but the fact that Chris has given up on playing, integrating back into the organization um, is a great thing. And one of the things I always said about those big three teams was, was they were the most intelligent teams I ever covered. I mean, that room, I mean, James Jones is a GM now, right? Shane Battier is probably going to be a GM. Chris Bosch could be a GM, right? Um, I mean, that was one of the most intelligent rooms you'll ever be around. LeBron and Dwayne are probably going to be owners. Okay. Like that's, 
the big three executive tree is going to be bigger than Pat Riley's coaching tree for sure. Cause that's basically just Stan and Bizdelic, right? That's it. Uh, and Bizdelic did leave on happy terms. So uh, Mark Ivoroni, I guess we could throw in Mark Ivoroni. He had a cup of coffee with Phoenix, but yeah, I, I think it's great that they're getting all these guys integrated, but I also feel like to a certain degree, I'm not saying that the Bosch thing is about anything, but I feel like the heat are in a place where they have to stage stuff now. So it was really disappointing to me. I'm at Dolphins camp. They're introducing their head coach. Brian Flores is being introduced at 4 o'clock. It was not a surprise. It was announced the day be- night before. We knew we were going out to tape out there. This is the Dolphins' day. And the Heat put out their Chris Bosh jersey retirement thing at 3.20 in the afternoon, 40 minutes before, which, A, is just dumb marketing, which is not what the Heat do. It got buried because you're introducing the head coach to the other team in town. And, two, it's, it felt like something the Marlins would do. Like, right? Like, it, it didn't feel like something the Heat would do. Like, give Chris Bosch his own day and let the Dolphins have their day. And there's been a lot of that stuff, the vice stuff, the, the, constant, the constant culture, the constant during games. You know, I, I feel for Will, who's a friend of mine, but, like, every game we got to interview two season ticket holders, right? I mean, it's just, it, like, the Heat should not be here. This is a team, a franchise, that basically fired their season ticket staff because they didn't need them anymore. When the big three signed, they were gone in a week. It's like the tickets sold themselves, right? And I, I just, it's a strange place. So I guess the big question becomes this, and I'll go to Nakayas on this. I mean, if they're basically positioning, Pat has talked a lot about wanting to put a front office together. When I talked to him about it after LeBron left, and he mentioned all the names he had, Andy and Adam Simon and Chet, who's now kind of moved to the side, and everybody else they've had, you know, Spo and, and, and uh, you know, and obviously Nick and, and Mickey, et cetera. Um, and then Shane was added. So I guess from somebody who is not a Riley lifer like Leif is, or somebody like me who has been chewed out by him, where he had to bring up that I said they wouldn't make the finals after his trades in the 05 offseason, and he brought, first thing he said at a press conference, he saw me at the front row and said, we made it after they beat Detroit. Okay, I have saw the video of that. But as somebody who grew up as a fan of the team, who doesn't have the association with Riley on the Lakers – or even Riley on the Knicks, which is the team that I grew up rooting for. Is it time for Pat to go? I would say so. I think it's time for kind of an infusion, an infusion of newer thinking. I think, especially looking back to like um, the mid-2000s up until they assembled the big three, like flexibility was a big part of what Pat wanted to do. And to see him go away from that and to take those gambles on Dion, on JJ, instead of giving them, say, two-year deals to maintain the flexibility he would want to have to go star hunting, it just feels like that kind of a lost step seems to be a bit of a sign. And like you mentioned with Spo, it doesn't seem fun for him. Um, it's hard to put much stock into Riley as far as, like, his press conferences, the way he's kind of galvanized his group. He make a statement, you know, drop the hammer, and you feel like, okay, so maybe we, maybe we shouldn't doubt Riley. It does, we don't have that feeling anymore. At least I don't. Um, that's not to say he's a bad guy or that his career is overrated or anything like that, but it just feels like this is the natural time for him to take a step back, hand the reins over to Nick Harrison or Shane Battier or Spo, give him more power so Spo can kind of mold the roster that he wants. So he won't look as stressed as he's looking on the sideline trying to <laughs> trying to juggle the rotation that he has to juggle. Um, I think Riley has done more than enough for the Heat, um, more for the NBA in general. 
just his career is legendary as a coach, as an executive. I think this kind of feels like the point where he should take the step back. Hello, friends. This is Josh Appel from Smark Your Territory. And I'm Mr. Bill Eleven. And we are officially on the road to WrestleMania. It is point at the WrestleMania sign season, Bill. If, if you need to get to WrestleMania, we can be your Uber drivers on the road to WrestleMania. I mean, what? You ruined it. You, you ruined it. I, I like it. I think we could make some money doing that. WrestleMania season is here. Stick with us here on Smark Your Territory, the Five Reasons Sports Network's pro wrestling podcast. Yeah, you mentioned the press conferences. Um, it's interesting to me. He didn't talk to the media after the trade deadline, and I cannot remember a trade. He used to talk after they didn't make a trade, and this time they made a trade. No conference call. Now, the team was on the road, so there wasn't going to be a press conference, but that really surprised me. I, I was accustomed to him always after the trade deadline that he talks. Um, I think you go back to the, the two press conferences that, to me, shook me a little bit about where he is. Uh, the get a grip press conference was great theater. I loved being there, but really not strategically smart. Um, I communicated with people who associated with LeBron immediately afterwards, and they were angry, uh, about it. Most angry about Pat revealing that, that, uh, LeBron's wife was pregnant, which just kind of came It was just a slip, but it was like, they they were not down with it, and it, it seemed confrontational in a way that – now, maybe LeBron had made his mind up. I know there are people in the organization who feel that way. Um, but at that time, the people high up in the organization I were talking to thought LeBron was coming back. They thought he was coming back until the very, very end. And so that one. And then the second one was the, the smiling faces with hidden agendas one. where it, And I think a lot of that has led to this. I think there was some uh, revenge-taking or – need to valid for validation that's played into Riley's decisions in the last few years that were not consistent with what he'd done over the course of his career. He was always able to cut bait and move on. Okay. I, I mean, he stayed with the Zoe Timmy mash team a little too long and he got banged on that. He was sentimental about it, but when there was a time to make a big splash, they went after McGrady, they went after Hill. Okay. They, they tried and then they ended up with Eddie and Anthony Mason and Brian Grant, whatever. And then Zoe got sick and we'll never know. Okay. That team might've won a championship. Who knows? Um, and so he's had an incredible career. But I do feel like lately a lot of it has just been to prove you could win without LeBron, to prove it wasn't Dwayne that put the team together, to prove this. You know, putting out a press conference when you sign, bless his heart, I love this guy, Luol Deng, and saying it's one of the biggest signings in Heat history. It's just not – this is an organization, this is an executive, this is a coach who was above all of that. And it has seemed like he's been the – he was the king of Team Petty for a little while. And I think it got them caught. I think it got them caught in 17 because it got them caught with Tyler. They felt they had to give money to someone. I know that was mostly Mickey. But then in 17, after they did the smart thing and Andy put all those contracts together in 16, to pay Dion when there was no competition for his services four years because he said culture a bunch of times and he hit a shot to remind you of Dwayne and he, he talked about how great it was to be in Pat Riley's office or to pay JJ because he – he had culture tattooed to his forehead. Like, it just was, you know, the Heat Lifer slogan, which they were upset at me for getting on them for that. But you can't do Heat Lifer because they're not always going to be lifers. And then Dwayne wasn't a lifer, right? And so, and Zoe left, okay? I mean, came back. So I, I think he's got caught in that stuff. And now it's like, yes, now they're trying to smartly dig out of it. But it's, it's too late for now. Um, and so, you know, I was around, I started my career at the end of Shula's tenure, and it feels the same to me. 
feels the same. The only difference is there's no Jimmy Johnson that everybody's clamoring for. So it's a little bit harder. And you mentioned turn the reins over and you mentioned like six names, right? Like, I don't know who it is. Is it, is it, is it Shane? Because he's the guy who can relate the best to players and has the analytical background. Is it Spo because he has the best reputation around the league? Is it Andy? Cause he's the, is it Nick? Cause he has had the handle juggle all these hats and he obviously controls the money. Is Adam Simon get a bigger role? Is, you know, it's just, it's hard to tell. All right, we're going to do this rapid fire here to finish. And hopefully this is recorded properly because otherwise uh, Chris is going to kill me. Um, Give me one uh, thing other than the heat. What one storyline tied to this all-star game or tied to someone in this all-star game that interests you the most? Uh, One storyline for me would uh, be probably Kemba Walker in his hometown. I think that that's a a cool story. It's cool to see uh, the the city rally around their hometown guy. They've thought about trading him and, uh, and have stuck by him. Um, So I think that that's kind of a cool thing in his home city. So uh, I'll go Kemba Walker. I think everyone is trying to figure out just what's going on with Anthony Davis. Um, He obviously hurt his shoulder the other night. Him leaving the arena before the game was over, it was kind of odd. Um, Alvin Gentry has been thrown (laughs) through the ringer trying to answer all these questions and Anthony Davis isn't there. I think the NBA world's kind of wanting this. So, A, is Anthony Davis going to play? And B, just how the rest of the season is going to go in New Orleans? I'm going to give you the same answer I give every year. It's LeBron. Um, because it's always LeBron until it's not LeBron anymore. And, and they're not in the playoffs right now. And they've gotten a bit of a, a benefit because uh, the Clippers, you know, basically packed it in and decided not to push. So they'll slide back to them. Um, but how real are the Kings? I mean, if, if the Kings, I mean, I, I liked some of what they did at the break. Um, I think Harrison Barnes, I, you know, I don't love the contract, but I think he can help them a little bit. And I think, you know, if Fox and Bagley, if they don't wear down as the season goes on, you know, I know what the NBA wants. They want Lakers Warriors round one. Um, I mean, that's the dream scenario. Yeah, the Sixers five is interesting. I think Boston struggles. I think the other question is who is next after LeBron? Is this the all-star game where it's about Giannis? You know, um, you know the other thing that has not gotten a lot of talk this year, and I wonder if it will here, is Kawhi. Is he staying? I mean, if they're the best team of the East, if they make the finals, they just added Gasol. It's kind of like, is there an assumption he's got a, he built a $12 million house in Los Angeles? Is he going to be a Clipper? Um, I mean, that one. And then always the other one is KD. And we'll see that tomorrow. I, you know, I, I mean, he's going to get snippy with the media because he has been lately. He kind of has to talk here. Um, he's been really engaging here some years. I don't think this is going to be the year he is. So I, I just – but. I mean, we're witnessing, you know, is this the crumbling of a dynasty? I mean, this is year four, right? Not for him, but year four. And that tends to be when it happens. Uh, It's when it happened for the Heat. It's when it happened for Cleveland's sort of mini thing up there. Uh, It happened. Jordan's Bulls. Well, Jordan's Bulls is tougher to say because it was three and then it was three. But uh, Detroit, if you look at Detroit's team, too, there was basically a four-year run there, the the Billups-Hamilton team. It's about four years is about the length of time. So I'll be curious to see um, how much conversation. Draymond's not here, so you won't get the best quotes out of it. But Clay, Clay's going to get asked. Um, and I think it's pretty clear Katie's gone. I just think it's a question. Is it, is it one of the New York teams or is it one of the L.A. teams? I, I, it's pretty clear his Rock Nation is his representative. They're going to want to be in one of those two cities. And, and I think that was where it heads. All right, so hopefully this recorded. Hopefully you enjoy it. Um, again, check out our feeds, my, uh, Miami Heat Beat and Five Reasons Sports. Uh, we'll all be back in town next week. If we get special interviews, uh, we will either put them up this weekend or go from there. They just rang the buzzer on us. It's time to go.
thank you for listening to the Fire Ranger podcast. Thank you so much. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For ninety dollars more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For hundred and thirty more, you'll be a Swole member, and for just three hundred dollars more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May tenth. See Home Club for details.